All right, here he is, uh, author of Saved by the Light, Embraced by the Light, a man who has had three near-death experiences, one of which I got to uh, witness myself. Here is uh, Daniel Brinkley. Daniel, welcome. Hi, Art. Welcome. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to hear you again. That's good to hear you. Uh, you are somewhere back east, Maryland. I am in Washington D.C. Washington D.C. Oh, you're in you're in the center of power, huh? Well, I believe that uh, where you are is the center of power. But <laughs> I, come, <laughs> I come to the National Institute for Health for about seven years at the Office of Alternative Medicine (AMPEC) board meetings, and then I study legislature that, that deals with veterans administrations and um, managed care systems and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, you know I am about that kind of stuff. I do. I certainly do. Uh, you just got back from, I, I couldn't believe it. I got a message from you saying that you had gone to Egypt, which I knew you were going to do. Uh, but then you also went to, um, Syria. Mm-hmm. And where else? Well, uh, to the Iraqi border, near the Iraqi border, and, uh, illegally into Lebanon. But I had to go and look for myself, you know, after I went through that near-death, ex the last near-death experience. You snuck into Lebanon? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, you know. Yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> I have to know, you know, after this last near-death experience, Art, and most people know, I, I was struck by lightning and then I had to have open-heart surgery and then I had to have brain surgery. And thank you and Ramona for that, for being there through that. That helped me a lot. I understand, uh, we talked earlier today that, uh, briefly that you took a slide, a photograph of Ramona when she was giving you aromatherapy. Yes. And showed that at the National Institutes of Health? Well, I showed it, I've shown it in, uh, programs that I'm doing to help develop the fact that alternative and compatible medicines really do work and, Aromas, I mean, Ramona's aromatherapy really <laughs> helped me and I'm talking about that because that's part of what I'm doing in the CIA which is compassionate action, which is the foundation I have for a hospice work and dealing with how the Veterans Administration, you know, are, what everybody should take a really good look at is the health care issues that are about and how the Congress is dealing with it. And one of the really most important things that is coming up is the, the Veterans Administration's National Strategy Summit for improving care at the end of life found out I'm really proud of what the VA is attempting to do to help veterans and what they're doing. And I think that things like therapeutics that are non-evasive, what we call alternative, what the modern science calls alternative, which are really complementary medicines, can really work and help the quality of care and palliative care. Everybody knows I'm, I think they do. I'm a hospice volunteer. Of course. And what I try to do is look at the best innovative ways to help veterans and the VA in uh, long-term end-of-time care and help families deal with closure and those kinds of issues. And for the first time, I really feel proud of the VA. They are reaching out to every method, every way that they can find to improve the quality and improve the cost-effectiveness of the VAs. And I'm not saying it's time that should happen, but sitting here and watching it and watching the policy and looking at the directives and the mandates, these people are really trying, and they need our support in doing that. All right. Um, you were just in Egypt, and there's been a new discovery in Egypt, hasn't there? Absolutely. You know, Hart, when we started talking about this so long ago, and looking at it together and uh, with what was going on in the arena, 
I never thought that by the time we do this cruise and how we define and look at what's going on, the things that would be happening. It's amazing. We're living in times of such discovery and such reevaluation of of so many things. But when I was in Egypt, I had to, you know, I, I have to go and find out. And it, they had just finished the celebration of the complete restoration of the Sphinx. Sphinx. And being there at that time when the whole world looks at Egypt in a small, obscure uh, Egyptian paper was a discovery of a tomb or a monument in a place called Tusky, uh, Tusky. Where is that? It's in the south, it's in the southwest part of the desert, about 450 miles, uh, southwest of, uh, Cairo. And what they're doing is, because of Lake Nasser, they're expanding, uh, the southwest desert to make it more fertile by digging, uh, trenches and laying irrigation systems to mm. irrigate the desert. Right. So they're digging there to lay out a set of pipes. <laughs> and they discover this monument that without question, because of the layers of the mud and what they're looking at and how they're looking at it, this thing was over 10,000 years old. Uh-oh. And it kind of, uh, kind of messes up Egyptology, doesn't it? Uh, actually, yes, it certainly does, uh, because, as you well know, there are many who have suggested that the Sphinx and the pyramids are a lot older than uh, the Egyptians would have them be. Now, what this might suggest or threaten is the whole concept that Egyptians built pyramids. Well, it, I can tell you this. It definitely will threaten when they said they built them. <laughs> you know, I, I watched this like the Abydos. Now, let's, let's get this clear. They claim to have built pyramids how long ago? Well, you know, Abydos is like the oldest place that they know where to think about where pyramids began to be built. Right. And they just updated it. I mean, the updates now from the German uh, scientists who are working there and excavating this place now make it, uh, it was like 4,000 B.C., and they've added at least 150 years of it to it conservative, and it could be a 1,000 years. But what they're discovering is that this temple is built on top of another one. Uh-oh. So as they keep excavating around it, they keep discovering this stuff, and then all of a sudden, while a bunch of guys were digging in the desert, laying these tunnels, they find monuments and uh, uh, temples. Boy, it's going to be a rocky voyage. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, as a matter of fact, I understand that um, uh, two of our friends who are going to be on that voyage are passing around petitions to end the secrecy in Egypt. Did you know that? No, but, you know, I don't think that anything will B harm. Baval and Hancock? Yeah, well, I didn't hear that, but... Yeah, there are. There's a lot of... Why we want to do the cruises and why we want to do the debates. I mean, there's two definitive places. The, the cruise that's in May and then next year the conference in Egypt. Because thanks to your help, I mean, and, and people out there listening who really want to know the answers, we have two definitive times when this information will be presented and the debates will be laid forth and people will hear it for themselves as all these factions and parties come together. Yeah, I've got something here uh, from the Guardian Spotlight, an interview with Dr. Zahi Awas. And uh, let me read Guardian. I am sure that you're aware that Robert Baval and Graham Hancock 
are publicly saying negative things about you and others who oversee the treasures of ancient Egypt. Dr. Hawass, yes. It is unfortunate the things they are saying. For example, Hancock and Baval are asking people to sign petitions to so uh, stop secretive work at Giza. But there is no secret work at Giza. And he goes on. But he absolutely denies there's any secret work going on. Now, I know you walk a tightrope because you're uh, a very good friend of Dr. Hawass's. Um, Daniel, do you think there is any secret work going on at Giza? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't have any doubt about it. I'm a little worried about this cruise. I mean, I, I can uh, it's see... It's going to be wonderful. I know, but I see a very, very direct confrontation building here. Well, a good confrontation moderated by you, Art, are always mm. good. <laughs> because there, there has to be a cleansing of the air. And to run a, and we do it two parts. You know, I, I'm very proud to be a part of this and what Visions are doing and to set up two programs. This first one to lay the groundwork and to watch it and to fight it out. And then a major conference next year as we prepare for the millennium in Cairo where once and for all in a time pattern where the Casey predictions would talk about discovery of this oh, here we go. chamber. Oh, yeah, here we go again. I mean, yeah, in 1998 and 1999. We sit right where we can watch it with the discoveries. Here's something that's even is just as important, Art. Think about the fact that they had laborers digging in the desert 450 miles the southwest of Cairo that no one's been there because it's so dry until Lake Nasser was made in 1968, and they're now irrigating it in 1998, and they find temples that they know because of the some of the writings, is over 10,000 years old. It predates everything that they find at Abydos, which is the oldest possible place in the Old Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, here you are talking about something that's 10,000 years old, minimum, with something else below it. Now, this would literally shatter and, uh, in, in fact, bring up questions about whether the Egyptians, in fact, did build the pyramids. This well, would really seriously threaten... All of Egyptian culture and history and understanding of themselves, it would be the... I think it would do that to the whole world, Art. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, I can include the whole world because as I watch this, the same way you watch it, the same way so many other people out there who listen to this show are looking, I get the opportunity that I can go literally any place I want to go there because I'm, I care about the preservation of a certain perspective of the culture of Egypt and, and the preservation of how it's done. And I, I look at, they have a, the procedures that they use. Some are bureaucratic handicaps, but others are really surrounding protection. But I look at the work of, uh, of uh, Graham and I look at the work of Robert and John Anthony West mm -hmm. and I look at this work and I walk the ground, I go over there, and I can feel that there is something happening. And a lot of things that I don't really understand about myself are things that I sense and feel since, this, since I've been through these near-death experiences and the things that go on, that, that, that literally like I'm walking through different levels of time and the things that I sense, I know something's happening. I had occasion recently to interview Edgar Casey's son, who is now in his 80s, Daniel. Uh, do you think that Mr. Casey's predictions with regard to the uh, Hall of Records below the Sphinx will 
come down about as scheduled, and it's we're coming up on it, of course. <laughs> it, it's getting pretty amazing, Art. Well, it, it's getting a little hard to ignore. Happen. It's getting hard to ignore. I mean, oh, yeah. the synchronicity is getting to be a bit much for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and watching it from wandering over there for three weeks, I spent three weeks there looking. Mm -hmm. I called, I was writing a chapter for this new book called If It's True, What Shall We Do? How are you doing on your book, by the way? Doing pretty good. I mean, it'll, I, I, you know, I struggle along, but the chapter is called The Road to Damascus, and it's like going back, walking through the story of Paul of Tarsus, and to go back to Damascus, and to, you know, to really look at that, where our, our religious culture and perspectives, and so much of what we appear to understand from the world, knowing that they say Damascus is the oldest city in the world. Mm hmm so I wanted to go there and think about this, Art. I'm walking through Damascus, the oldest city in the world, and I come into a, a place that's a mosque in, uh, in the middle of the old section of Damascus. Mm -hmm. I walk inside, and I see this place right in the center of it, and I walk up to it, and I notice that, the, that it's so beautifully done because the mosques of that period are beautiful. And I start looking at this, and... These people, these Islamic people, you know, Muslim people, and a lot of other people are praying or being close to this enclosure. And I stopped and I said, what is this? And the guide said, this is the remains of John the Baptist, the Saint John, the guy who, who uh, baptized Christ. And this is the remains in this. And that this has been a place that has towers to Christ and that it's been, been used both as a church and a mosque, uh, for centuries and it's always been there for, as a place of the resting place of the, of John the Baptist. And I, you know, that kind of stuff kind of takes me aback in a spiritual sense of looking at our history and here in the middle of a mosque is St. John the Baptist and on our road to Damascus and looking at that stuff and seeing the Syria and the oldest city in the world, and also being perceptive. Now, there's things I pick up about stuff that I don't really understand how I do it, but I still do it. I know. That this time is happening. We are living in the most wondrous time of discovery that we'll ever get a chance to live in. And what we're a part of, and I, I know this from spending that time and years doing this, but after this last experience, I pick up even more things and in different levels of degree. We're in this time. Now, let me tell you something, Daniel. It's just my opinion. But I know Zahi. You know Zahi. Mm -hmm. I, it's my opinion that if Zahi Awas stumbled into information indicating that the artifacts there were so old they could not have been built by the Egyptians or anything like what he imagines occurred, he could not admit and digest that information. He would find a, a way to either hide it or reject it. Well, <laughs> I look at it like this. Uh, the, the conservative nature of the study of Egyptology and archaeology, yeah. both by every country, the American Egyptologists, German, French, who have done most of this research, you know, is that there is a collective consciousness that deals with that, just like a lot of uh, our own bureaucracies. Mm -hmm. but, and I'm not going to defend Zahi in, in a lot of stuff, but I'm going to defend him in a lot of stuff, too. Well, that's fine. You, but you know the way he is uh, with respect to 
Mm. The way all of them are. <laughs> yes. Like so many other forms of, uh, you know, of what exists or what is described from from medicine, scientists. Uh-huh. Well, Zahi is what you would call a self-assured man. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> so he would not digest that information very well at all. And I don't think that he would rush to make it public. Uh, moreover, you do agree that he is doing some secret digs over there. We all know he is. Well, you know, you look at it like this. There's stuff going on that we don't know about because yet they they hadn't quite understood what they were discovering. Like they discovered a brand new tomb while they were while people were walking around on the plateau looking at the Sphinx. Hold that thought for a moment, because I've got to get something on the air. Daniel Brinkley is my guest of Brand New Tomb. Yes, I've heard something about that. Uh, very quickly, there is a bulletin for all areas of the Pacific Basin, except California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and Alaska. A tsunami watch is in effect. Okay, for New Zealand, New Caledonia, Cook Islands, American Samoa, Fiji, Western Samoa, French Polynesia, other areas of the Pacific as well. An earthquake preliminary magnitude, 8.1, occurred 25th, uh, 25 March, uh, 0313 Universal Time, uh, exactly where it was suggested that it occurred. And uh, so Jim Berkland is correct. We have had the... Uh, well, it's been 18 months since we've had anything of this size. An 8.1 earthquake. And that is a tsunami watch, not a warning. I'm Art Bell from the high desert. This is Coast to Coast AM. The station that launched a broadcasting empire. 50,000 watts of Twin Cities Radio. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. 1500 KSTP. Kingdom of Nye. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. First time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again is Art. Once again, here I am. But the pain. All right. Uh, usually when Danian is here, I hog his time, and I'm going to do that through the top of the hour. But next hour, I am going to allow you to ask Danian questions. Now, uh, there was a new... Tomb uncovered, Daniel? Well, yes, right there. So what I'm trying to get across is this. There is so much discovery coming now as opposed to over the last 20 years. Right. That every day something amazing is happening. When you just discover irrigation that discover, and digging irrigation and flooding the, the lower Nile, you discover 10,000-year-old places, then yeah. it's going to really modernize how we look at it. Well, this stuff is all happening now, Art. What we have to do, and what the cruises and the, this big uh, conference about next year, is to put definitive people in place so that those who are looking at these issues 
can continue to look at them, watch them unfold, and be able to put out honest, pure, good information for all the rest of us to hear. Because just me wandering for three weeks there and knowing that as these discoveries come about and seeing these things, we also have to be careful of the fact that what's going on in the uh the, the terrorist side of it and what wants us to stop, what wants to stop us from knowing about this information and not to place it all on just uh, Egypt and Egyptologists and Zahi, but on whole other systems that are in place that once we know where we came from, say if this chamber's discovered or that Robert and Graham and John Anthony are right about yeah. that this thing is 10 to 15 to 20,000 years old, who are we then? Well, that shatters everything. Let, let me tell you, I had Dr. Tom Van Flandren on the show the other night, about a week ago, I think it was, Dan, and uh, he's an astronomer and a very prestigious astronomer, and it is his view, uh, he's beginning to warn people. As you know, we're about to take high-res photos of Mars, of the Cydonia region, if we get lucky. And he's starting to warn people uh, that it is his firm belief that the objects on Mars, the face and all the other things, are not natural. And when we discover they are not natural, it's going to be a really, really big shock to the system. Yeah. Uh, in other words, things may not be as we thought they were. We know they're not. <laughs> we not only, but you know what, Art, what is so great about the work that you do and the people who listen mm -hmm. is that you get the information out of stuff that inwardly we know and we hear people telling us things. They're talking at us instead of to us. And we, all of it, we know that the world as we have been told is not really real. I know it from three near-death experiences. And by becoming perceptive and walking on the ground and feeling the things, I know that discovery is coming. I mean, I know it, and I watch those things just like you. Um, brought some, I've got one ton or more limestone rock. And he said, here, Art, is how the pyramids were built. And he showed this guy, tap, 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 crack, 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 crack. And before you know it, this giant limestone cracks precisely in half, and each side falls on the ground. And you go, oh, my God. But then, but then, and, and so then he stands there and says, and this art is how we Egyptians built the pyramid. <laughs> I mean, with all the, you know how Zai is, with all yeah. the pride and the uh, uh, pomposity, <laughs> he's, he's, he's an amazing man. I'm telling you, Daniel, this is not a man who could face the prospect that all he knows is wrong. Well, that, that can be said about a lot of us, Art. That's, well, yes. You know, that can be said about a lot of us. You know about the Brookings report, right? No. No? It was a report done for the government that suggested if um, alien contact was made or if we were to discern something about our background, like you and I are talking about right now, it could not be released. The social disruption... The paradigms uh, of science that would fall would be so great that the information would have to be withheld. That was a, um, a report done for the government by the Brookings Institute. Well, I can accept that someone thinks that, okay, but I don't buy it. Forty-eight years old, Art, like a lot of people in this age group, and we can take anything. We just want to know the truth. 
And I believe that the opportunity of where what's happened in Egypt and the Middle East, we will either seize the day. I don't have to go to Mars to discover. If these chambers are there, and the belief that how they built the pyramids is one thing, but what the pyramids, a lot of them are built on, these cult temples, as they call them, yes. are so old that they are ten to 20,000 years older than we've ever thought that they could be, or at least 7,000 years older. And even Egyptologists are admitting to 150 to 200 to 300 years older than their estimates because of the writings that they're discovering, and that there are writings now on on monuments that are being discovered that no one's been there for 10,000 years, digging holes to where irrigation, then we're in a place where we have the chance to watch it, to be observant of it, to be a part of this unfoldment. I want to know, because I, first, I know that you don't die. What about the Bible, then? The Bible uh, suggests to those who read it uh, uh, verbatim, uh, that the earth is 6,000 years old. There was the Garden of Eden. Um, we were tossed out of the Garden of Eden uh, for sin and the apple and the whole thing. And, you know, there's a very specific paradigm there that is not a trivial one. And that group would not accept this kind of news well. Well, I can understand that, too. And I agree. I mean, I agree with it. But any, the Earth is older than 6,000 years old. And it, it would appear so. We've got buildings that, that you can carbon date that age. Yeah. And I think that maybe, Art, because I've been there. You know, I've been in Israel and the Jordan and all over the Middle East looking to try to understand this stuff. As I hunt myself, like so many of us do, I had to put into perspective something of with a little more... Uh, Something that was demanding that I understood it because after I had the near-death experiences. But we we know that there are stories being told that have both symbolic appearance that we some of us take literally literal, and then things that are not quite as literal as they're said to be. Mm. I mean, we're discovering these things every day. But I can't help what people can't accept because it doesn't matter. If it's true, we have to face it. Why write books? If it's true, what shall we do? And I look at a lot of these issues because I've been forced to, and what I want to do is to inform people who are just like me at this age group in this time period, and I see such amazing stuff, and I'm thankful for that, but I, we want to know, and, and we're going to know. Do you, honestly, do you honestly think, for example, just let me toss this in, as you know, they still have not found the missing link. And that is a big problem for evolution. Big problem. Now, it may be that at some point in our development, or lack of it, that somebody or something came along and gave us a little push, a little genetic push. But that would mean that our creators, so to speak, uh, we're not God, but may have been from elsewhere altogether. I mean, any number of possibilities exist, and that is one of them, and that would upset a whole lot of people. Well, then they'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> That's all I can tell them. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to deal with it. I mean, we are entering an age where there is no question art that what we've been told heretofore just won't cut the mustard. And that there are things that are yet to be discovered. 
that I'm not blaming anybody for saying it and describing it the way that they have heretofore, from Egyptology to uh, space exploration to government conspiracies to all that stuff. But I know this. A time is coming over the next six or eight years where our own ability to understand and perceive the truth and the real things are going to happen anyway. This is going to happen no matter what, and I'm assured of it. And I've watched these predictions, and I've watched the things that's happened to me and the thing, the timeline that I saw up to 204, and I get a chance to live in them. And I know that it's going to happen. So regardless of what anybody really thinks, we have to open ourselves up and prepare. Like those people with this earthquake, we have to open ourselves up and prepare for a tidal wave of information and understanding about ourselves and who we are and where we can go no matter. A lot of people say the near-death experience, they're still debating on whether it really exists. And yet there's 15 million people who've had it, who've gone out and begun to change their whole lives. And I wanted to correct something. I didn't write Embrace by the Light. Betty Edie did. That, oh, that's right. That's I wrote right. at Peace in the Light. Thank you, at Peace. Yeah. But so I, much I light don't mind in the company of Betty Edie. She's a great person. <laughs> and there are people still arguing that. But there's those of us who's moved on past it and are trying to do with it that like my hospice work and the hospice work of everybody in the CIA and commitment to veterans and commitment to the elderly and caring about the quality of that, using what happened to this in this event that's happened to me three times and really applying it. And you know why I put that down? Because you and I were talking about Betty Eady earlier today. Yeah, she's wonderful. You, you remember yeah. that? <laughs> that's why it hit me. Well, it's easy because there are a lot of people who... I mean, uh, who see us as in the forefront of this and and really pushing what we think and really trying to help people understand it so that they can better care about the quality of life. Daniel, you know, there are scientists now that are claiming that they can simulate the near-death experience. They can, they can wire you up with electrodes. They can uh, stimulate a certain place in your brain, and hey, people you. will come back and report an NDE. Well, I can. I have an answer for that, Art. I've had three near-death experiences. But in the course of this last one, when you were there with me, mm -hmm. remember, I came through the near-death experience doing the surgery. Oh, yes. And a day later, oh, I remember. I had a third, I had a third a subdural hematoma blow in my frontal lobe. And then I had a massive seizure. And heretofore, when I heard scientists and doctors and medicine say that, no, it's nothing but a temporal lobe seizure from oxygen brain deprivation, right. which causes endorphin releases and peptide right. bonds breaking down in the brain and neurotransmitters right. burning out as it, this life snuffs out. Well, I'm not so mad at them as I used to be because I finally had one of these seizures. I had enough near-death experiences. I finally had a seizure. And it was... Like three days after I had had the near-death experience for the third time, one day after I had another subdural hematoma blow in my frontal lobe with more pain than anybody can endure, and then this seizure. Well, if I had never had the experience and I'd had the seizure, I would be inclined to take into consideration, whereas I've never done it before, doctor's explanation. You do see what appears to be a tunnel. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the light 
the sparking of this seizure, you do have what is, appears to be a life of you. It's like you somehow the mind, the brain is protecting itself and you have these things. A lot of things that people describe in near-death experiences. But I can tell the whole world and anybody that they're two completely separate things because I've had them all. And I've paid dearly for them. So it's okay that they say that. I don't think they're doing a bad job. Whereas before, if you ever heard me say anything about that, I would jump them in a minute. <laughs> but they're doing a decent job, Art. I have to give ground. You know, I study medicine. I look at health care because I have to stay alive myself. And I find so many people in, my, in the work of hospice and what we're doing in Compassion in Action that are there, too. And they're depending on us to know the answers. By the way, I would be neglectful to not ask you because everybody, you know, I get a thousand messages a week. Uh, how is Danyan doing? How is Danyan doing? Up and down. I'm still dealing with trying to stabilize my blood. And, uh, and I have really good doctors. You know, they're good doctors. But I have a lot of people who are also uh, healers around me. But I'm having problems. I mean, I haven't. I'm developing another one of those hematomas, and I have problems, but no more than most anybody else in this condition. And they're stabilizing, and they're working at it. I'm taking care of myself the best I know how. Well, and, it strikes me that somebody in your condition is ill-advised to be sneaking into Lebanon. <laughs> I knew not to tell you that, Art, but I have to see. I wanted to see. I am afraid because of what I saw in my early visions, which I wrote about in Saved. That there were, I said in November, I said in 1997 there would be terrorist act that would really create the collapse of Egypt, and that the fundamentalist nature would take over and block us. Well, in November, and I said that I wrote that book in '93, but I've been saying this stuff for 20 years. Look at Luxor. Look at what occurred in Luxor. Look at what it's done. Look to what Egypt. it occurred, and look what it did. It Do you know that I understand they're down 50 to 60 percent in tourism, and that's a catastrophe. 80 percent of the money. You're talking about My our, God. You're talking about a country that is because of people not going there, that are dangerously in a place where the economic situation of the loss of those that they we they call tourists, which I think are called travelers, people who go to see for themselves, but I go there myself. I just left there. I, I just left there. It, was it empty? It was empty. It was empty. No one uh, was there, and we have to... Last time Boris Saeed came back, which was not long ago, he said, you have never seen so many m uh, men with so many guns. Well, I think that what... You know, I'm going to support uh, President Mubarak. I think when he fired and when he saw this and the things that happened, he has taken to create security. I am not going to let any fundamentalist or terrorist of any kind stop me from being able to see what will change my life and the lives of the people that I know in a historical time and event with these discoveries. By the way, earlier today you told me this paradigm-shattering discovery occurred right in the middle of fundamentalist uh, geography. Is that well, yeah, if you come, If you come uh, right now, this place in uh, Tushka, if you just come a few miles toward the Nile, yes, you will be right in that that hotbed, you know, that place where so much of that goes on. Like every, like you know, we have those hotbeds ourselves. We do, yes, yes, that's where it's occurring. So why I'm so why it's so, so important that we fully look at it, we fully accept that impact, and that we move on and know that it's safe in Egypt. I just walk the streets and we're feeding donkeys, you know. I I buy. Uh, 
a taxi load of hay and I go around and I feed all the animals because it's, yeah, well, you know, you give back and those beasts of burden deserve it. And it's hard times over there. It's really hard times. And we have to help preserve it and protect it. And we have to also stand up that we're not afraid. I'm not going to listen to what people are trying to say about these countries and the instability factor. In Syria right now, in Damascus, a woman can walk down the street at 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and she's safe. And I've watched and I've seen it. And I'm not going to let these historical things that are coming to... But one of, one of the reasons that is so is because anybody who would do harm to that woman would have their arms or legs uh, separated from... Well, they would hang them if they raped them. Well, there you are. Right there. That, that's what I mean. That, 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 but what does that say? Does that say... Uh, does that, does that say that that is a, a, a very civilized society or a very barbaric society? Which? This is, you know, Han Robbie's code of laws that, that created the way, the, the whole system that created our torts and our systems, you know, now. I'm not going to uh, pass judgment on that. I just know that whatever the way that they're doing it, Damascus is a clean city. Oh, yes. And people are safe. And you look at it, they're a little more socialist than I have a tendency to accept in, in my way, but they care. And the Syrian people and the Lebanese people and even the Iraqi people, I'm not going to eliminate them. Now, this Saddam business, like you said, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there that are governments and things that when you take a good look at it, you realize we're all hiding something. All the Western countries and... Uh, Iraqi people, you know, I mean, the you Iraqi know, you, government is hiding something. Yeah, you, and you, yeah, then they're hiding what we gave them. You got it. Yeah, I know. Daniel, hold on. We're at the top of the hour, as I promised. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to open the phone lines, and you can ask Daniel anything you like. Daniel Brinkley is my guest. I'm Art Bell from the High Desert. This is Coast to Coast AM. The Talk Station, AM 1500 KSTP. Kingdom of Nye, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. From east of the Rockies, call Art at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may fax Art at area code 702-727-8499. Please limit your faxes 
sentences to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now again, here's Art. Once again, here I am. In this hour, I'm going to turn Danian Brinkley over to you. So if you have a question for Danian, come now, folks. We'll get him back on the air in a moment. Call right now for that free brochure. one 800 526 right, now, back to Danian Brinkley in Washington, D.C., of all places. Hey, Art, there. could I get a couple of out that, uh, before we start taking questions? Let them fly. Okay, number one, there's still 36 of you out there who didn't get your books. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that still worries me, Art. I... Out of those thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of books, there's still 36 people out there that didn't get their books. So if you didn't, please write me at, you know, you have Post Office Box 1919, Aiken, South Carolina. I think you put that up for me before. I did. And if someone is interested in Compassion in Action, which is the foundation that a group of us started about hospice work and where we go and what I'm doing, it's Post Office Box 84013. Los Angeles, California, 90073. You know, and I will take letters, mail, put you on the mailing list. I'll take donations. I'll take anything that I can get that helps further the cause of quality palliative care in nursing homes, hospitals, and in the VA. And I thank you very much for letting me timely report on things that I see and things that are going on in the world as I look at it and be able to give it to your people out in coast to coast. All right. Um, to the phones we go east of the Rockies. You're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Where are you, sir? I'm fine, and I'm... No, no, no. Where are you? Oh, where am I? This is Dave. I'm calling from northeastern Kansas. All right. Hi, so Dave. You're fine in northeastern Kansas. <laughs> All right, Dave, go ahead. And I'm glad to hear that you're in, in better shape, Daniel. Thanks a lot. Um... But it's thanks to people like you who thought about me during all of that. Well, I'm a reader and have been a monk in the Orthodox Church, and I'm I'm not here to, you know, throw throw any dirt on the the new discoveries because I I just wanted to ask. Yes. With all the different things we found of different ages and different what could be considered creations of man, in effect. We don't know how that. How can this possibly lessen, you know, the ability of God? Well, it increases it. And that's what I thought. I mean, yeah, I God mean, does what he wills. And, and you're, you're living proof of that. I've had things happen to me where I should be dead. And that's not to go in at this time. But the fact that we're spiritual, Dave, the spiritual nature of us, I think that these discoveries only take the, the timeline that's been given us and expand it for us to search our spirituality. It's what I'm doing. And I know there's a lot of me's out there because they listen to this show and they, they buy books and they explore the spirituality with groups. Tonight, I was in Washington, D.C. with a group of people who work in and around the government and who know all the horrors about bureaucracies, and they're called the Kindred Spirits, and they get together and have a, a prayer, thought, and exploration of mystical and spiritual things. 
and I went to it, and it was delightful to hear a combination of people who work really hard every day, and there's a lot of great people in the United States government, and it's the greatest country in the world. And then there's a few bad eggs that control it the way they want, and, you know, we study that. But I think that what this is all going to do is allow us to break free from the control mechanisms that we've been taught to live under and realize more spiritual depth and range of who we are in the spiritual nature, which helps us re-identify ourselves to God. You know, I, I think, Daniel, there is a spiritual renaissance underway. No question. Art I, do, I do believe that, but uh, there is also equal and opposite pressures, and it's going to come to something or another eventually. Well, you write about it in, you know, anyone who reads The Quickening, yep. anyone who reads Art Bell's book, which is, I think, terrific, it gives you a, a timeline and what and the aspects to look at and what's going to happen and what and I think you've done a really good job in that book, Art. But I'm like Dave. I don't think that they're going to stop us from finding our mystical and spiritual self. And I don't think that we're going to dwell on one specific event or thing. We're going to look at it collectively. But they, what's so fun is they can't stop us now. Nothing can keep this stuff secret. Nothing can ex ex change the fact that we're able to look at it now and we have a right to call ourselves experts in our own self as opposed to giving away our, our power to see and understand things to experts. All right, and again, for those who joined us at midnight, uh, there has been a discovery, a significant, a very significant discovery in a place called, give it to me again, please, Dan. Tushka. Tushka in Egypt. And the, it's right in the middle of the uh, very fundamentalist uh, territory. Well, it's in the southwest uh, desert, about 450 miles from Cairo. And there they have discovered... A, t a whole new, uh, an older, a temple that is older literally than uh, the oldest pyramids on Giza. They're at the very least 10,000 years old, and uh, even more incredible... Beneath that, they have, uh, they're uncovering apparently more ruins. Well, what, they, what they're discovering is not only is there a temple, and this is in Abydos, a completely different place, they're not only discovering a temple with like 20 layers of flooding around it, and that is probably 5,000 years old, or maybe six. They're discovered that there's one under it that this one was built on top of. So the most magnificent about it, David, to everybody is that we're we are discovering a whole new historical timeline, and we're using what we call the Mesopotamian region in Egypt, which is the Fertile Crescent, where we say modern-day civilization came from, and we've used that as our historical reference to find out where the rest of the world has evolved from into the culture we call the Western, Middle Eastern, and Far Eastern cultures, and it's ten or 12,000 years older yeah. than we've ever been told. I think that's really art. Well, it is, uh, and not Unexpected. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Scott in Denver. Scott in Denver. How are you doing, Scott? Hi, Scott. Um, I have three questions. Uh, one quick question. Uh, when when you have the uh, debate, uh, are, do you plan on taping it and playing it back on your uh, on uh, later shows? I, I can't answer that right now. I imagine certainly we will in one manner or another. Do you play back on the air or not? I don't know. Okay. Uh, oh, but it'll definitely be... We're not going to, I believe, let me add this to it. We're looking at every possible way. I'm not totally in control of this, and neither is ours. But we're looking at every possible way to do it the best that we know how. 
to get the information out and to settle if the in the debate in this first part to settle the t issues of how we're going to look at it. And, and if, if, I, I can guarantee you this: if Zahi throws uh, Robert uh, Laval or Graham Hancock over the side, we'll try and get videotape of that. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably will happen, but somewhere in all of that. <laughs> I know it's going to be great. You know what? I know it's going to be great, Scott. So we'll do our very best. I know I will, because that's why I'm a part of all of it. It's going to be very fun to hear. I wish I, I wish I could be there. Well, um, we look forward. I mean, look forward to uh, the conference in Cairo next year. Yeah, that, that's that's a possibility. You know, anyway, do you have another question? Yeah. Um. Uh. The uh. The the uh, tomb, I guess, in Tushka. Yes. Was, did they uh, find any kind of Egyptian writing, or was it completely foreign from from? Well, Egyptian you know, stuff? whenever you hear that stuff, since I wasn't there, Scott, but when they start saying it's it's writing that predates any writing that they've seen before, and they know they have writings up to around you know eight, maybe nine, ten thousand years, mm -hmm. then who knows? Yeah. I know uh, if you go to the if you ever go to Abydos which I hope everybody out there makes a pilgrimage to Egypt. It's safe. I mean, it's safe. In this, uh, in the temples of Abydos, you see inscriptions and drawings on walls that could have any, you have to decide for yourself what you're looking at. But it has, I mean, what looks like UFOs and all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things <laughs> that were, that are now present, but could, were painted five or seven thousand years ago. Uh, so I'm, sure, I'm sure that if Zahi were confronted directly with uh, 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 pictographs of uh, of UFOs, he would say, why, yes, the Egyptians had those back then. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Good morning. Um, yes, my name is Pamela from Denver, Colorado. Hi, Pamela. Hi, Pamela. Hi. Um, Daniel, I was just curious about um, the Egyptian ruins and as far as the Centers for Spirituality. Um, in your book, at, at Peace in the Light, you were talking about the Kilney beds and... The Kilney. Kilney beds. And Hi. I was wondering if some of those experiences were just like the prior Egyptian experiences in the in in the um, pyramid. Well, you know, I'll tell you something, Pamela. Why I wrote it the way I wrote it, because of Raymond helping me understand the historical nature of the old ways. I believe that a lot of times, you know, I try to understand how I saw this, and then people say, well, Daniel, was it reincarnation, or could you have lived that life and you brought this forward? I believe that what I'm doing with the Clint e, which I call based on uh, Asclepios, who called dream incubation, that, I, that a lot of the programs that I developed, I didn't develop, the ones I just brought forth to put into action here, and the, the experimental center that I have of the eight-step program was to create a way that dream incubation and that this bed works. I mean, it's electrical, but it works in the program, just like the ancient teaching, the ancient mystical schools, and the so the the, the great Egyptian and uh, the Greek and Roman um, centers. Mm, okay, and where. How would you be able to actually go and experience one of these beds? I've had well, now remember this, Pamela. It's not just a bed. Throughout the years, I've been out here 22 years since that happened, almost 23 years. It was a program. You know, there's no magic bullet. 
It was an eight-step program. The bed was no more important than any other part. But through the years, people have always attached to it now mm. and just focused on that. Now, what I have intended to do, like I wrote in that piece in 97 and 98, that I would start putting these centers in place. And what I'm watching now, what I'm doing in Washington right now, is I look at where the FDA is, where the, the people who come into alternative or complementary medicine, what the laws are, the law, so that I don't get put into jail or a lot of things that's happened to people who've tried this, like Dr. Brzezinski, mm. that I can come and do it in the safety of proper legislature, legislature, and to look at these bills and read them. But, you know, I, I work with mostly people who are terminal and their primary caregiver, uh, and when I'm home and working through this program. But I think that the early part of next year, though, I'm going to put these centers in five places and use them as experimental so that people can come and do research and do a study. And, you know, I've been at this since, like, 1977, and I keep working on it. But I don't want to go to jail, okay. <laughs> and I don't want someone to come in and seize this concept and go out and just sell beds because there's a lot of people who've, who are building really good equipment, but it's not a full program. All right. Uh, thank you very much. And Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hi. Hi. Am I the Wildcard Line? Uh, you are. Okay, Art. I've uh, been enjoying the show. And Daniel, uh, it's uh, wonderful to hear you again. Who am I talking to? Uh, my name is Art. I'm in San Francisco. Hi, Art. I, I've been listening to uh, uh, Art for a few months now, and I've, I've really got to enjoy it. And I... Uh, isn't he great? Uh, yeah, it really is. And, and you and I had a uh, experience in common 21 years ago. I also had a near-death experience. My my throat was cut. Wow, how did I had a, a very, very, uh, not quite as strange as yours, but quite an odd experience and developed kind of a truth sense after that. And you and one of Art's other guests, Amicio Kaku, uh, kind of struck me as really a, kind of on opposite sides of a wire talking about the same thing. And, I don't understand. Uh, what do you mean, Art? Well, Michio Kaku is a theoretical physicist that Art has had on several times, and he talks about, um, you know, the, the depth and the strangeness of the universe. From, and the uh, wonderment. Huh? And also the wonderment. I and, and believe that out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you do, too, uh, in, in a different way, in the more the, the spiritual way. You know, the, the, But the two of you, to me, come across, you know, with the, the true sense that comes in and... Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, thank you are well. You, one of the things I wanted to mention to you was that one of, after one of my near-death experiences, a, a friend of mine quoted something I thought originally came from Mark Twain, but what he said cheered me up quite a bit. He said, uh, "Well, he was meant to hang. Uh, Need never fear drowning." <laughs> 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 well, yeah. uh, well, I I hope it doesn't happen to me, but you know, I play the hand I'm dealt. Yeah, don't we all? You know, and that, that's the part, yeah. I read this really interesting story about this poor guy, Daniel, you wouldn't believe it. Um, and I'll see if I can dig it out during the break. I've got it here somewhere. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, in the meantime, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hello. 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 Oh, hi. I don't know if I was on. Yep, you're on. Uh, first of all, enjoy your show. Finally, there's a show that uh, you have host, you're, you're the host and guests that think like me. I'll try to be brief as possible, but there seems to be a connection from other experiences. I've listened to shows of people with near-death experiences. Yes. When I was a child, I was an infant, actually, and uh, my mother, who has passed since, told me that uh, I came close to dying. 
But ever since uh, my consciousness and my life, I can I can remember, even up till now, I'm 39, <clears throat> I always felt there was something different or some enlightenment, something that was, I wasn't mainstream in my thinking. I couldn't accept things as they were, people told me. And it's just like, it seems like there's a connection with people that have near death that has this new understanding or openness or whatever about life and, and about all these theories. But... My, my problem I have, when I talk to different priests about religion and what we're talking about all these discoveries that's try, that's really blown away all these theories that uh, that's established, right. no priest that I talk to can answer my questions. Uh, as far as about the Bible, it's written a uh, short time compared to the history of the uh, earth. No one can uh, answer the question I have well about Which, what God. What would be one of your questions? Well, okay. My question is, uh, just in my own experience, I'm fascinated with stars and... Uh, All right, don't you, but uh, no. Ask us a specific question that you would ask a priest that, that he can Oh, okay, okay. Well, for example, if, if God was, is a, a caring, gentle God, and the Bible, why is there so many contradictions as, as far as uh, people that's left on this earth, when, when he comes back, they're going to have to suffer, and, and it's just things like that. And, but you got to remember this. And, and all this... The all right, all right, sir. Hold, pause. Yeah. Take okay. a breath. Yeah. The whole spiritual world is a loving, comparing, is a loving, compassionate place. You have a near-death experience. There's something that nothing can change. The way you leave this world is designed for us by someone or something that truly loves us. When you pass from this world to the next world, it's a safe journey filled with love, hope, and the greatest possibilities of your spiritual identity. No question. This is a, what we're here is that we choose to come here and we're chosen to come here. And we come here so that we can co-create. And yes, it has its ups and downs. And yes, it has its bumps in places. But that's part of the evolution of the physical, spiritual matter. A lot of people would ask, Daniel, why would a compassionate God allow a young child and innocent to die? Well, remember, we don't know everything. And a child... Coming into this world, like in, uh, when you come here, there's a lot of things that go on before you enter here. I mean, we were all powerful and magnificent beings before we ever took the challenge to come here. You can sum it up by saying keep, we don't know it all. Yeah, we have to keep that in context. All right, uh, Daniel, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll break here and come back with more of your calls for Daniel Brinkley. I'm Art Bell, as the saying goes. Don't touch that dial. In the Kingdom of Nye, from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may call Art on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach Art from outside the U.S., first dial your access number to the USA, then 
1-800-493-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye with Art Bell. Well, I think just about everybody in the world knows about the Beijing radio now. It's been on all the networks. CNN did a big piece on it. Uh, I've been advertising it for I don't know how long. And now comes what CNN also covered, the Beijing wind-up lantern. Finally available for a little while here. We had this on, oh, I don't know, it was probably two or three months ago. And we had the first tentative shipment of Beijing lanterns. And they sold like that. What is the Beijing lantern? It is, it's a, a wonderfully built, it's built like a tank. All the products that come from South Africa, from the Beijing company, are remarkably a stout be the word, I guess. Um, you wind it for 30 seconds, and you get over three minutes of light. You get two hours of light from built-in rechargeable batteries. You get a spare bulb and an AC adapter included. You get a five-year warranty on, on the lantern, a two-year warranty on the batteries. It's made of yellow high-impact ABS plastic, a very sleek, modern design, and... Well, I'll tell you, they're going to be sold out pretty soon. How much? The Beijing wind-up lantern, $74.95, and that price includes getting it to your hot little palms. Shipping and handling included. $74.95, but I guarantee you they're going to sell out very quickly. Call Bob Crane in the morning at 7.30 a.m. at 1-800-522-8863. One more time. one 800-522-8863. Now, um, hi, coast to coast. Let's, there you are. Um, let's enlarge a little bit on what I was asking you about, you know, the baby. Why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? Earlier today in Arkansas, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old dressed in fatigues um, got into a hiding place, had what they believe was a third juvenile, set off a false fire alarm. All the teachers and students came rushing out, and they opened fire, killing five girls, wounding 11 others. Uh, one teacher is dead. A second is critical. It was a slaughter. More and more of this, Danian, our young people. I wrote about it in Saved by the Light, Art. It was one of the boxes of knowledge. It's right there, written in 1993, talked about for 22 years, that this would come to pass, that these things would come to pass. What does it mean? What it means, and it's not God letting that happen, it's us letting it happen. I work in, you know, I work in hospice, which is my main uh, my main thing. My whole life is palliative care. I know. But I work in uh, programs uh, in, in at home in uh, emotionally handicapped kids, what's called EH programs. And you see a lot of what comes about in the social structure of our country. So what, what's going on with the kids? Well, they, they see a lot of things on television. They also live in dysfunctional families, really dysfunctional families. And there's a lot of emotional problems. I mean, I see kids trying to learn, but they live around uh, drugs and alcohol and abuse. And these things can occur. You, we have to look at the families and look who's really responsible, which is all of us are responsible we ought, we need to create a better uh, perspective and a better conditions in the school and whose responsibility, because I see the stress on teachers. 
He just have so much stress on them because they're left to be responsible for those raising the moral character and the fiber of a child. When you take prayer away from things or a spiritual perspective away from things, then you only find satisfaction in that kind of stuff, and it'll get worse than that. We have to find our spiritual selves. Why I support this stuff with Egypt and why I take the tours and why I go there. Well, Dan, you know, I, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. There is a spiritual renaissance going on, but there is also more and more of this kind of stuff going on. Well, you're right, Art, but maybe the fact that we are on a spiritual quest and these spiritual revolution is occurring, that this would be magnified and intensified as people break that old paradigm. These are kids that anybody who knows anything about children, they mock, follow, and copy what they see. They don't think this on their own. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it could be evil being manifested in what we call that, that satanic nature, but children mock and follow the example set by those they're around in their social environment and what they see. They follow it the way that these children have seen that they can balance whatever is wrong, is condoned, is seen in a lot of television programs. That's, what I was, that's where I was going to go. I, you know, people will say, look at the video games where you rip people's heads off. Look at television sure. where uh, people are killed on a, you know, multiple murders in any given hour. But then that, we, that kind of thing. Is it that or is it something else? It could be a combination of those things, Art. I'm not going to move into censorship. This is still America. I know. And we still have a right to, to do and be who we want to be. But it's our responsibility. If you go and volunteer, I, mean, I, I like hospice, but if you go and volunteer as, a, as an adult in an EH class and emotionally handicapped and go help out a teacher and spend time where teachers every day on the front lines are doing trying to educate children, you will be amazed what you will learn in one day. Now, I've been doing this for eight years, and when I see this, my mind automatically looks at the, the social relationship between that, per, that child and their family and the immediate environment that they live in, plus the, plus the lack of spirituality, the spirituality of who we are. And I don't know who is completely responsible for that, but I think the family and the quality of that child's environment determines a lot of it. All right. Well, maybe so. We'll get the details and we'll see. First time caller line, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hi. Hello. Hello. Yes. Uh, Daniel, I loved your book, Saved by the Light. Thank you. You did such a wonderful job, and we really appreciate that. Uh, I have a question on your prophecies that you saw. Uh, what did you see that was going to happen in 1998 and 99? Well... The exact moments, you know, they, they tend to move two or three months in any direction. But I know that what's going to happen in 98 and 99, this peace accord, the, what, the, what was worrying me so much about the Middle East was once that women dressed in black began to march in European city, European cities, a whole timeline had begun that there would be a Middle East peace pact, that this would come about. The way that the, uh, the way Europe comes under a single euro dollar will become more influential as opposed to America being influential in the Middle East and setting up this peace accord. The European market would, or the European under one euro dollar would become more influencing as America declines in their influence. This would become, this would come to pass. And that as, um, Jerusalem begins to celebrate its 3,000th year, 
the move to make it an international city would come into play. You know, Jerusalem just announced they will expand their borders, the, the borders of the capital. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's not going to go down too well in some quarters. Well, it's but they will become, you know, it's not going to go down at all and, and settlements being done. But this peace accord will come to pass. And I say it's not good. You know, I write about and say that it's really not good. And long ago, I talked about the, the combination of an Israeli and a Palestinian police force before anyone ever believed that, that the Palestinians would ever have a police force. And now as they co-patrol, this is molding and coming into existence. And But a lot of advancements in spirituality... A lot of advancements in medicine and us returning to light therapy and color therapy. And, you know, I talk about the machines that will come into existence in, in healing and us recapturing our own identity. All of that is happening. Yeah, and I mean, this is what I, this is 98, 99, and the discoveries, the things that will be discovered. I know that either in the jungles of Peru or in Egypt or somewhere in the Yucatan or somewhere in, in China, and a really something about uh, about um, the Basque region of uh, Spain and France and French and the French French Spanish border. Something important is going to happen in that that brings that awareness. Does that help? Yes, there are depth. And what to me, what it really means though is we're on a timeline where we're regaining control of ourselves. We're accepting who we are as spiritual beings. Not any of this to be frightened of. I don't talk about the stuff to frighten people. But if you know that this is what's happening, just like the thing that happened today, I ask everybody that the, the kids who killed today and were killed, that all of us take a few moments and surround the families who lost their children with love. Mm -hmm. And the same way you did for me so many times. And for all those parents whose children did it, to also surround them with love. They're going to need it. Absolutely. Wild card line, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hello. Hello, uh, this is Dan in Virginia. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, Daniel had a chance to see you in Baltimore, and I talked to you there at the end of the book signing for a moment. Um, you know, Did we concerning... do a good job in Baltimore? Oh, that's why I'm calling. Uh, that was quite a spiritual experience. Uh, Thanks. You have quite... Uh, uh, a lot of assistance. I was able to see your aura, and I normally don't see things like that unless there are special occasions where there's a connection made. And there was, you're on this huge stage, I guess it must have been about 20 feet long, but all in the upper part of the stage, you could just see the purple, or I could see the purple in the magenta light pouring down. You know, through you. you know, Dan, you're like the fifth person who told me about that same magenta light. Is that I right? I don't really know what that means. It's a Christ consciousness. Well, it's a connection to the Christ. Well, you're like the fifth person who told me about that in Baltimore. That well, is that is remarkable. Oh, I it, mean, it, you know, it, it happens a lot, and what people describe it, it's really, I don't know what I have to do with it. Well, you're, it, you're a master. <laughs> Uh, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, but I appreciate his saying that. And it, it, five people told you that. Yeah, so far. That's the fifth person. And, I mean, they, the same coloring, the same thing that they're saying. And I, whatever it is, if it helps people find their spiritual identity, moves them one step closer without having to die, that they can hear it and be a part of the, 
the lifting of the veil between this world and that world, which I know is possible. Well, your doctor told me you shouldn't be alive. And, well, uh, they tell us that all, tell me that all yeah, the time, Mark. I know. Uh, so there must be a reason that you are. Well, I think, I don't, you know, I try not to ponder that because we're all, I'm in a state of being. You know, I'm here playing the hand I'm dealt. I'm putting as much love and compassion as I am possible and capable with my flawed nature and personality that I can. And you know what, Art? I don't see me any different than so many other people out there. You know, I don't see such a great difference. I'm a survivor, and in the course of surviving, I've learned how to be, try to be more loving and to be more compassionate and to care more. I think that all of us are really trying to do that, and we just need each other's support to do it. And I, I take a great deal of strength and comfort from the love that people give me and the things just like he just said. And I try with all my heart to give that love back. And maybe that that has a color and a hue and a tone to it that helps us really know we are still connected to the other side. Yeah, I had a guest on the other night who just made me a believer in auras, I'll tell you. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hello. Art, how are you doing? Fine. Where are you? I'm calling from uh, Flint, Michigan. All right. And, and who uh, are you? Yeah, who are Jerry. you? Gary. Gary from Flint, Michigan. Hi, Jerry. Gary with a G. Hi, Gary. G-A-R-Y. Got it. Hi, Danian. I got it. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Is that good uh, or bad? Oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. And thanks for having me on, Art. Sure. Uh, I was wondering, uh, your book and uh, Betty Eady's book were so similar in certain ways with the... Uh, Beings of light and the box of knowledge and stuff. How many other people do you know through, you know, association that, that have the near-death experiences that seen that same stuff? Yes, yeah, good question. Hundreds? Hundreds. Was it really? I am not nothing exceptional, Gary. Okay. I, mean, I have, when that first happened to me because it was so long ago, you know, and, but there, I have come across people, you know, I've, I've researched this for 22 years. And looked at it, and I've been in 10 countries and talked to more than 600 people. I've been a hospice volunteer for 19 years and been with 160 people. And more than 250 people in various stages of leaving this world. The commonalities and the things of like, I've heard the, the center program that I was talking about earlier. Yes. I have heard that from 20 other people. I've heard a description. It was a phase and a point where by some reason or some order or some group that I come from over there to come over here, we all perceived this stuff. And other people perceived other things. Okay. But we're, And it will happen to you. We are naturally spiritual beings. We have a, such a common system of choosing to come here and chosen to come here. And as we do that, we're going to perceive from the realm of where we came from over there, over here. We don't all come from the exact same place. We come from different levels of consciousness and different spheres, and sometimes maybe art will... So then we don't all perceive the same things. Right. We come from different orders, different levels. We don't just all pass to the other side in a big lump. Yeah, I think everybody uh, looks for a black and white. Here's what happens when you die. Well, there is a black and white of it in the early stages of leaving this world. You Perhaps lift out so. of your body, you move down the tunnel, place of light, and beings of light surrounded by loved ones, the panoramic life as you are, which, and Gary, you know what I've always said, the single most important thing about the near-death experience to me is the panoramic life review. 
that yeah. you know that everything that you've ever done from the day you were born to the last breath that you breathe, you will see it in a 360-degree panorama. You will watch it from a second-person perspective. And you will feel what those people that you may have hurt or affected felt. And what that does, point blank, means that everything you do to or for someone else, you're really just doing it to yourself. Danny, do you think that uh, all the things that are going on on the earth right now, like uh, all the weather, the bad weather we're having, and the things that went on in Arkansas, the crime, and, and stuff like that, do you think maybe it's... Uh, I mean, it's got, got a lot to do with the end times of the Bible and Revelation, doesn't it? Well, I don't know quite that, but I know we're hitting a, a an energy pitch, a, a fever, let's say, of all of these things happening in such in in a mag, in a magnitude or a magnified force that lets us know we're living in an era of transition, great and rapid transition, social unrest, spiritual unrest, an uneasiness in the many religious perspectives as well as everyday. Uh, religions, institutions, and governments, they're passing away. But our spiritual selves are becoming heightened and more aware and more determined to change things for the good. I really believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I believe it more now. You know, I was a little pessimistic for about 10 years after the second near-death experience. But I am more convinced of the magnificence of who we are and the greatness of the times that we live in and the potential that we as a collective group are capable of achieving. And you know, Gary, I believe we'll do it. Whereas I never would have said that five or six years ago, but I see too much. I mean, I, I have the opportunity to be around people and watch us and see the spiritual commitment we're making to ourselves because most of us are making decisions about parents and children. And we have to find a spiritual perspective so we know how to bring our children into a world of safety that they'll inherit and how to help our moms and dads and well, you are, uncles leave this world. Daniel, you're a lot more optimistic uh, than I am. We don't have a lot of time here. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daniel Brinkley. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, this is Gilbert in Denver. Hi, Gilbert. Hi, Gilbert. Uh, one question just out of pure curiosity, and then I'd like to propose just a kind of a thought-provoking question. Uh, first of all, as far as that new discovery of the temple in Egypt, yes, has there been any resonance work done there yet, or is it not yet? No, too early. Too early? Yep. Okay, I was really curious about that. Well, what they did, they just discovered it. This is less, this is a month, less than a month old. And no one has been in that desert in like 5,000 years. And they were digging. And they looked at the monument and they looked at the hieroglyphics or the inscriptions and they knew it was nothing that they'd ever seen before. And they looked at the dates of the, those that were prior to that and they know it's over 10,000 years old. This is a temple. And it's buried under enormous amounts of, uh, of silt and sand, desert sand, you know. They would have not discovered it if they weren't digging holes 20, 30 feet deep in the middle of the desert to irrigate it. And I wonder what else is lying out there. All right, did we tell people that they can learn more about all that tour business and the, the stuff by calling 1-800-888-5509? What is that number? 1-800-888-5509. That's Sebastian Demon. He's kind of coordinating all that kind of stuff where we go, what we're doing, and what we're trying to figure out about that. Uh, yeah, that's the number I've got, 1-800-888-5509. That's right. People can still come along on the cruise in May if they wish with us. And plan for next year also. 
And if you're in California, you've got to call 310, area code 310-568-0138. Love to have you come along. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. <laughs> Dr. Zaya Was is going to be there. And Graham and Robert. You're going to be there. By the way, we are going Our to do... I'll be there, and we're going to do a Dreamland when the cruise is over and the debate is over, and, and hopefully we're all still alive. <laughs> we're going to land in Vancouver and um, a stay another day in Vancouver, and you are going to do a Dreamland program with me from Vancouver, right? Absolutely. Oh, Wouldn't boy, am I looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to me that. Me too, Art, because we get to tell people what we really saw with all of us there and to decide which ways to go and to make our importance and our impact known in this these marvelous discoveries. All right, brother, it's coming up on 4 o'clock in Washington, D.C. Get some sleep. Thanks for having me, and I hope you'll have me back, and I thank everybody there for thinking about me, and I love them very much. Good night, Daniel. Good night, Art. Good night, Mona, and good night, world. <laughs> there you go. That, folks, is Daniel Brinkley. And uh, when we come back, we'll move into open lines. There's an awful lot to talk about, maybe too much in a lot of ways. At any rate, uh, don't touch that dial, but to revive that saying. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. AM 1500, KSTP. Oh, you're on the air. Art? Yes. Well, hey, great to talk to you. Hi. That's great. Um, first time caller. Been a listener for about a month, and I don't think I've gotten to bed before 5 o'clock since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so many things I'd like to talk to you about. But the first one, uh, well, actually, probably the only one tonight, um, you were talking to your previous uh, guest. You were talking about near-death experiences. And, That's right. And uh, not too long ago, when I was about a freshman in college, I had a pretty bad car accident. In, in which case, I, I didn't have a near-death experience, but an out-of-body. And ever since then, I've had, like, premonitions and insights into things that would happen. And um, I had this really interesting uh, premonition one night, not too long after that happened, where I had this dream that I was, like, floating over my bed. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself uh, sleeping in the bed, and I saw myself get out of bed and walk down the hall and I looked out my front window, and I noticed, and I saw a UFO flying over the cornfield that was out past the uh, pond that was out in front of our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like spraying some kind of fluid over the, the, the field, and it caught it all on fire. And it started to burn the lawn up in front of our house. And, you know, to make a long story short, I went to get my parents, and we went down the lawn in front of the house, and it, it burned all the way up to the house and then went out. Good well, now, three days later, I had been uh, staying at a friend's house over the weekend, and my parents came to pick me up and take me home, and as we're getting over the hill toward our house, they looked at me and said, oh, by the way, while you were gone, we got home, and there were fire trucks in our front lawn spraying down the house, and that front lawn had caught on fire and burned all the way up to the house. I bet you went into a long, silent moment of, oh, my God, kind of reflection. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then it was more like a oh, and then it was an out loud oh my god. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, of course. Um, look, what you experienced is not unusual. Trauma and near death seems to bring a temporary, and Danian would tell you, uh, it will begin to fade, but a temporary ability to see and know things that you would otherwise not see and know. 
that that's true. And and it probably has something to do with trauma to the brain. Who knows? Well, we, we only use those, has, but, might have to do with the um, the mind actually reaching that higher plane. Maybe it gives you some kind of an insight. Maybe it does. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate your call, but uh, I've got to move on. I, I'll tell you. It could be electrochemical. We don't know much about the brain. It could be spiritual. It could be both. Or it could be something we haven't even thought of yet. But it is true that people like this young lady who have traumatic, very traumatic uh, near-death experiences seem to acquire the ability to see and know things that the rest of us do not. And I've talked to enough people that I, I definitely believe that. An update for you. It seems that um, God did not show the leader of a Texas religious group now says God will not be returning to earth next month. The leader of God's Salvation Church says that his earlier prediction of a second coming can now be considered, quote, nonsense, end quote, since God did not appear on TV early this morning as he had expected. Members of the Taiwanese religious sect were awaiting God's message on Channel 18, just after midnight central time. But the time came and went, no God. The leader now says his nearly 140 followers are free to leave the group. But... He says he's staying at their Dallas area church to study and research. He says his faith is not shaken. Just before that, I had somebody else who called and said, well, down near Garland, all they saw was a Monty Python movie. Somebody had a sense of humor. I got this. Art, unless God speaks fluent Spanish and has an 800 number at the bottom of the screen... He's a no-show in Central Florida. You're on Channel 18. And then this. Hello, Art. From Matt in La Costa. My God, it happened. I saw him at 12 a.m. He appeared on my TV right before my own eyes. He has a pointy nose, an unusually rounded head, two huge round ears, and speaks with a squeaky voice. Oh, wait a minute, Art. I'm in North County, San Diego, and this is the Disney Channel. <laughs> Channel 18. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes? Uh, I have a... Uh, this is Steve from Cincinnati, formerly of uh, New York City. Yes, sir. And I have a theory. Um, I've been writing a book last few months. And it concerns a theory about the uh, the origin, actually not the origin, the um, use of the pyramids, what it was built for. And I feel the pyramids were built, if you look at a cross-section of the pyramid, mm -hmm. um, you can see uh, if... Sir, do you have your radio on? Yes. Uh, actually, no, I don't. I, I work in a lab, and I have a oh, few radios, and I'm closing the door here. How's that? Better. Okay. So you think you know what the pyramids were built for. Fire away. Well, I believe the pyramids were uh, designed for protection from the Great Deluge. Um, also, probably uh, 
bombs. Yeah, but that uh, doesn't make sense. Uh, you mean as in flood? Right. Okay, but the pyramids um, have sea incrustations embedded in them, which would, it, would indicate they were once part of a great flood. Ta-da. Well, I, I, I came to the, the conclusion, I feel that um, the floods, uh, the flood, um, if you look at a cross-section of it, as it filled up, um, you can stand in that, in the center chamber, I think it's the king's chamber. I have charts and stuff I'd like to mail to you, um, but I feel that as the water ru rises, you can stand in that center chamber and monitor level of the water. Well, all things considered, I'd, I'd rather be on Mount Ararat, thank you, which is where they think they have found the Ark, incidentally. Uh, here's an interesting story. A Seminole man hopes to market alien skeleton. An Oklahoma treasure hunter plans to take a bucket of bones to Roswell, New Mexico to sell bucket of bones. Dane Chastain of Seminole thinks that the bones are those of an alien that died in the forests of Arkansas. He says the creature had metallic hair and a fin on its back. By his reckoning, this is an AP story, folks, by his reckoning, the bones may fetch tens of thousands of dollars in Roswell, a town with a great interest in UFO sightings. The 68-year-old uh, man is nearly a lifelong treasure hunter. He's also uncovered Indian relics, soda bottles worth $400, a white shell he claims is millions of years old, and a dense reddish rock he believes to be a very valuable meteorite. So, get ready... A Roswell becomes, because here comes a man with a bucket of bones. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello? 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 Yeah, this is Thomas from Oklahoma. I'd like to give some enlightenment. Enlighten me, Thomas. Oh, all right. Uh, the, uh, one, one statement I'd like to say, if uh, everybody loved themselves, they, <coughs> The uh, universe. Now, wait a see. Let me let me see it. I'm nervous. Huh? Uh, the the universe. No, it, self love. If you loving self holds the universe together, does it? Yes, it does. Is it the glue that holds things. Yeah, together? it blows everything together. Yeah, well, it sure isn't and, what happened earlier today in Arkansas. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the pyramids uh, do not come from this uh, world. That is certainly a possibility, Thomas. Thank you. There, you know, I believe that is possible. I believe that Tom Van Flandren and others may be correct. I believe the discoveries documented tonight by Danion, that things are much older, much older than anybody thought. I definitely point toward the possibility of one of two things. Either that man was once here before, and maybe many times, here and gone, or that there was intervention from elsewhere. And the more we discover, the more it seems to point in one of those 
two directions, both of which will shatter paradigms. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Joanne from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. All right. The home of Rush Limbaugh. That's right. I have a comment about the uh, young boys that killed those children in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Yes. Which is fairly close to us. And I think that when the discipline authority was taken away from the parents, that a lot of this started because they were afraid to correct their children because they would be turned over to the authorities or the school would maybe see a mark on them or something that their parents had done and I think that was the downfall. Something more has changed. Uh, How old are you? 55. All right, good. We're about the same age. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you were 11? Yes. Do you? Mm -hmm. I cut my own switch off the tree to be spanked with. Yeah, Yeah, it's like digging your own grave later on. (laughs) Um, I I had four uh, healthy children. Um, Eleven-year-olds never, ever thought about that kind of thing. No. Eleven-year-olds never did that kind of thing. I don't care what people say. We didn't get stories like this when you and I were uh, 11, Mm -hmm. period. Yes. And we had good mothers and dads. So something absolutely has changed. Correct. I'm not sure. Television, movies, That's parental, parental control. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the parents are too really too busy. They don't really care what their children are doing. And like I said, if they correct them too much, they're going to be turned over to the authorities, and the children know that, and they even threaten their parents with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the downfall of, and I think that it should be going back and letting, I don't mean beating your children. I mean, I raised four children. They're very healthy, two boys, two girls. Did you ever make any of them cut their own switch? No. (laughs) No, I did not do that. (laughs) But, I, you know, I mean, they they would mind me. You know, I mean, they... um, they were good children. I mean, did you, I, did I'm, you give them a sharp rap on the backside when they didn't? Well, of course. I mean, you know, I mean, if that's that's what my mother did me, and I, you know, I grew up fine. <gasps> I've but, never but, been but, in any but, kind but of conventional, trouble. <laughs> conventional thinking now is that little Johnny must have what little Johnny wants, and if little Johnny wants to dump ashtrays on the floor to see what kind of design they make. And that's a growing experience for little that's Johnny. That's little Johnny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're damn right it is. <laughs> well, I really enjoy your show, and I just wanted to, to put my two cents in. You know, it happened over Paducah, Kentucky, which is about 75 miles from us also. And I expect it to happen here in Cape Girardeau. We have a high school that's getting out of hand. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry to say um, I, too, expect more of this. And I am not surprised that it is young people. Now, all is not um, dark and lost. As I told Danyan, as Danyan uh, firmly believes, he's more of an optimist than I am. But there is a spiritual renaissance going on in America, in the world. But I'm afraid that the other side, the negative side, is also increasing in strength. So... Uh, Perhaps one might suggest there is a coming battle. I wrote about it. Now it's happening. We'll be back. I see trees of green. Red roses too. 